0: Hello and welcome to the Perfect Gentleman podcast. My name is Zach Faulkner barfield I am 1PG, the founder of The Perfect Gentleman, and alongside me is the ever-dashing, the delightfully prancy and charming, Mr James Marwood. <laughs> thank you very much, Zach.
1: <laughs> A very festive welcome, thank you.
0: Well, it is December after all. It is. We can officially talk about Christmas. I'm one of those sticklers, I don't know about you. Really, honestly, I don't like talking about Christmas till it's December.
1: I'm very much with you. Down with premature Christmasing. Don't put Christmas crackers up before Halloween's
0: even happened.
1: Yes. Yes, so it's
0: episode 39, it's December, Christmas 2016, the run-up to it. All this month's podcasts have a slightly festive and holiday flair. Are you a fan of Christmas?
1: I love Christmas, actually. Ever since I I was a little boy, we've had big family Christmases. And although my family is a lot more spread out now, and they tend to be a bit quieter, I just really like it. It's the middle of winter, we're going to have a party and eat lots of food and make sure everyone's happy. I think it's a great thing. I've got more into Christmas as I've got
0: older. When I was a kid, I liked Christmas, so that was present orientated more than non family orientated, as you mm-hmm. are a child. And then, sort of, I went through a big phase for a, ooh, a long period of time where I kind of would do everything I could possibly do to get get out of the country for Christmas. And then, sort of, about I don't know, probably about ten years ago, I started to really enjoy Christmas and being the family and and just sort of having that space and time and and fun and frolics and christmas traditions but we'll talk about christmas traditions in another podcast so what has caught your eye on the gentleman news front this month
1: well you, you might recall we talked a little while ago about a country life article that talked about how to be a gentleman quite recently they put up their 21 candidates for gentleman of the year there's some odd ones in there like well expected ones like sir david attenborough and david gandhi who I'm a big fan of, the model, who writes an interesting bit for The Telegraph every now and then. And then there's things in there like David Beckham and people. But what's interesting is the New Zealand Herald picked up on this, and they um, bring up some really interesting points. So they talk about, should you hold a door open for someone? And the answer is, yes, anyone. Just do it as a matter of course. It's nice. You don't make a big show of it. You just put people at their ease. And that goes right back to some of our core principles, the things we talk about, what a good man is, what is a gentleman. It's about consideration of others.
0: The article article's really interesting, but that thing that country life actually tells you what not to do, but it doesn't tell you what you should do. And I think what the New Zealand Herald has picked up on is this is what you should do. Don't agree with all of their things, but most of them are pretty damn
1: on cue. Yeah, I think so. You know, they go back to a quote that I get thrown at me every now and then, which is uh, Lana Turner saying that a, a gentleman is a patient wolf. Which is nice and not so nice. It's interesting that the guys at the New Zealand Herald seem to get it, that you're looking to be a good person, to make others feel at ease, to enjoy your life, but not at the extent of others. And they bring up things that some of the more stage among us might not like, like brown in town or t-shirts or tattoos even
0: i agree with a lot of they say and as we've said all the time you know a gentleman is how you act and how you behave to others and the first rule of the gentleman make others feel at ease almost at the expense of yourself it's all about respect it's all about politeness and consideration the style thing is something else but style is actually respecting yourself it's dressing well enough absolutely put the best version of yourself out there which kind of brings us swiftly on to the next thing that i saw Iggy Azalea, Uh, she was on an American Music Award red carpet or something like Mm -hmm. that. Oh, no, GQ Man of the Year Awards. Uh, She comments about she doesn't meet any gentlemen anymore. She was asked to award your definition of a gentleman. and, And she says, just somebody who's
1: always considerate about everyone around them. And I
0: actually read this article and went, yes, you get it. Well
1: done. Not the sort of person you'd expect to go to for advice on how to be a gentleman, but she's on the money. Yeah, she's on the money and she says that unfortunately there aren't many gentlemen in her generation. It's not something
0: we haven't said before on the podcast or anywhere else. And that's a problem. If you have someone as high profile as that saying something like that, you have got to take it on board a little bit.
1: I think so. It also goes to show that it doesn't matter how brash or over the top that the public persona is. Even someone like Iggy Azalea can appreciate a gentleman. That's good. Yeah, I think that's good. What else has caught your eye, sir? It's an article I found in The Independent that was really interesting. And it's written by Lisa Bonos. I hope I'm saying that one right. But it's about asking for the first case or how to make a move on someone without being a creep. And we've seen quite a bit of that in the news lately with Donald Trump talking about grabbing hold of ladies in a way that nobody seems to appreciate, thankfully. She talks to a guy called Thomas Edwards, who's a professional wingman which was not something I knew existed. It was news to me too. <laughs> I suppose it's, it's an interesting job. But what's interesting then is they were asking about whether or not you should ask someone before you, you kiss them. And they did a survey, this was in DC, in the US, where the guys mostly said, well, they might have asked when they were younger in an experience, but the ladies said they'd never experienced it, but they might find it it's sweet and quite nice which I thought was pretty cool. And it was interesting about, you know, should you ask if you're going to go in for a kiss or not? Edwards, this professional wingman, said, you don't really need to do it, but do it in a way where she can pull back and it's not a big deal. You know, as long as she feels safe and is comfortable and you have this sense that she's not going to pull back, that's that's fine. But the author, Lisa Barnes, who writes this article, talks about a relationship she had with a guy who was someone she knew professionally. And he asked her they had been out on a date for drinks and she's just asked him well, what do you think you got a strange look on your face he said, i'm thinking about how best to ask you if i can kiss you which she really liked and then on the cab ride home he texted i'm going to kiss you without permission next time get ready and she said well, actually no i like the asking which is great there's one example that the people they surveyed did where someone asked if he could steal a case which i thought is quite a nice way to to do it so it was an interesting article because it talks about consent consent is hugely important you can't have a successful relationship without it and also some ways of asking for consent that can be quite fun and quite sexy and quite playful without being you know terribly dull and asking like you're a little boy who might please can I have a
0: case I like this article very much of personal experience I've done both the I have asked permission as it were Uh, I've asked permission verbally and also sort of I've gesticulated with one's finger to sort of come hither uh, young lady that sort of please come here and I'm going to kiss you. Yes. That's kind of worked as well. And of course you have stolen a kiss when the opportunity arises. But if the opportunity is not there, sometimes it's actually quite good to ask. Yeah. If you haven't had the opportunity where you've got that moment where the timing is absolutely perfect and right and you can make your move in for a kiss, sometimes it's nice to ask. If you ask permission, you've got the out as well. Yes. You've not made a fumbly attempt to not do it.
1: If you just say, I would really like to kiss you now. If she says no, then great. You've got that out of the way and you can still be friends and you can look for romance elsewhere. Uh, but if she says yes, winner. Exactly. One way or t'other you should ask. Absolutely. Yes. Anything else you've seen, Zach?
0: Well, it was something you, know, you mentioned in our chat beforehand, the book on gentlemen's clubs.
1: Oh, yes.
0: We are referring to, of course, proper gentlemen's clubs, such as the In-N-Out, the Athenaeum, the Reform, not slightly uh, <coughs> dodgy nightclubs. Not string fellows. No, not Stringfellows. We're talking about proper old-school gentlemen's clubs.
1: Okay, this was in The Guardian. Karen Knorr, who's the photographer and... Author of this. These are photos that she took between 79 and 81, so in the early days of the Conservative revival in the UK. She's had taken these photographs of men in these gentlemen clubs in their own environment and very gently and very skillfully mocks them. The way the Guardian describes it is this mischievous meditation on the sanctity and absurdity of these male institutions, which I think is good. Everything deserves having its absurdity pricked every now and then. It's interesting just the nature of the photos are really revealing and really interesting. It's fascinating to me because you said to see a lot of really fine early 80s suits, which I like. But also it it does show the seclusion and the the slightly off-centred oddness of the world um, that we can... Admire and enjoy, but also see. I think the text helps show some of the flaws. It's fascinating.
0: I saw the photos, they look really lovely and really interesting of that period of time. I think the first time I went to a gentleman's club probably was when I was 18, 19, was the first time I went to a proper gentleman's club. So it was the late 80s. So it started to change then, and it's changed drastically now. Going to the club has changed somewhat. I mean, that was the tail end of that, going to the club. You know, I go to the club for the afternoon. Yes. Then the 80s happened, the rise of the unclub, like the Groucho and, and Soho House and all these kind of media, very trendy clubs, so put the death knell on the, the old school gentlemen's clubs. I mean, there's still a few that are... Very highly populated, but not as many as there used to be.
1: I've not been a club member. I've stayed in clubs. I've been to events at several of them. And they're fascinating buildings. They're interesting. They generally have a very good dinner available. But I think for a lot of us, because business isn't done in that way so much now, I, mean, I think it still is important in, in certain circles of old school companies and more than likely in politics. But for a lot of the business that we look to do, a lot of the relationships that we look to have professional and personal clubs not really focus in that but it's fascinating to look back at a time when they did
0: oh very much so i think it's interesting and as you say some of the buildings are beautiful i mean absolutely some some of the buildings are stunning you go into some of these buildings and you're kind of like wow that's what's behind this door
1: yes a couple of years ago i gave a talk at the national liberal club it wasn't for the club itself, it was for the Sherlock Holmes Society, but, you know, it's such an amazing building and they were quite happy for us to bimble around the public areas and look in things and tell us about stuff. It had the most magnificent lounge with sort of library and fires and great big armchairs that and the Half and I spent hours in there after the talk, just sitting and talking. Something like that I would probably quite enjoy going to, but because of all the other things that come with membership, it's probably not for me. I agree. Yeah, it was a lovely book. If you're of that ilk, it'll be a nice little Christmas gift. Indeed, the photographs are great. Karen Knorr very talented. Just on that note, while we're talking about
0: Gentleman of the Year for the country life,
1: it, it is also that time of year for us. Yes,
0: indeed. Dear listeners, it is now that time of year. We would like your suggestions for Gentlemen of the Year. So we will post our Gentleman of the Year in January. We we always do every year. This is, will be our fourth year of Gentlemen of the Year, I think. I believe so. Basically, our criteria for Gentleman of the Year is someone who has done something supremely gentlemanly. Now, they can be consistently gentlemanly over a period of time, or they could have done something spectacularly gentlemanly this year. Either of those two things would be qualifying them for a Gentleman of the Year. If you have any suggestions, please feel free to email us at inquiries at the perfect gentleman dot tv. Or drop us a note on social media, on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. You can look at our past Gentlemen of the Year on those platforms. Pinterest is probably the best place to look at those. Drop us a note and make some suggestions for Gentlemen of the Year. I have a few ideas in mind, but I'll keep those in the back of my head for the for the moment. Sounds good. That's our Gentleman News section. We're toddling lofts of so style for Christmas.
1: There's something that I get given every year at Christmas Sack, and I think a lot of men do, and that's socks and underwear.
0: Yes. Do you request them, or are they given because it's easy?
1: I tend to buy a lot of my own stuff like that, because I quite like, like you, I quite like statement socks. And it took a while for me to persuade my family, and my other half, and my mum, who were the usual buyers of Christmas socks, that that's what I wanted. But now they know my taste a bit better. My mum asked, asked me, what would you like for Christmas? And I said, well, some socks would be great. What are your favourite socks? One of my favourites are Happy Socks. I don't know if you know that brand. Yes, I do. I purchased some for trial for review just recently. OK, I'd be interested to know what you think. I came across them by accident when I'd mispacked and was down a pair of socks on a trip to Birmingham. And the nearest shop to me was the Selfridges store, which was still part built. But you could kind of find your way to the menswear department by following along this long corridor and asked the guy, have you got any socks for sale? And he said, oh, we've got one pair which were this pair of happy socks, which were great. And I really like them. Bright and fun. They're well-made. They last really well. They stand up to being laundered. I especially like Kogi socks. Now, they're a little bit expensive. They do have a factory shop. If you're ever in West Wales, which is worth going to for many other reasons, find the Kogi shop. I've got some bright yellow ones with skull and crossbones that I'm a particular fan of.
0: <laughs> they sound fabulous. I love a good pair of socks. As you well know, I, and I don't know if our listeners recall, both you and I are big fans of, of statement socks. But it's interesting. I, I was reading a little bit about the history of socks. And of course, early times in relation to um, the Regency period, you were wearing socks to show off your calf because a gentleman's calf was a sight to behold in those days.
1: That was one of the things with a young Henry VIII before he became so fat. He was quite famous for being very good at tennis and having very fine calves.
0: Yeah, no, I love my socks. I think it's good. I always think you should ask the gentleman in your life if he would like socks for his Christmas present rather than just going ahead and purchasing them. And if so, have a little fun with it. Go on to Happy Socks' website or uh, Quiet Rebellion or um, Corgi, Pantarella, you know, New and Lingwood. They do some amazingly patent and crazy socks instead of just standard MS black ones.
1: Just one thing worth bearing in mind is people often worry about matching socks and making sure the the socks match your outfit. Nothing wrong with statement socks if you're not somewhere really formal. If you're going to court or to a black tie dinner or to a big board meeting at a very formal bank, stick with the socks matching the suit trousers. Anything else? Put some fun, funky socks on. Absolutely. So, socks you get. Uh, Underwear? Do you get underwear as well? Quite a bit. I must admit, I tend to buy most of my underwear myself because, again, I do it when I'm travelling and I've not packed enough. So, when I'm traveling, I do rely on good old Marks and Spencers or TK Maxx, just because they're quick and they're easy and I know I can dash and dash out and get what I need. In terms of other brands, I tend to stick with the stuff I buy when I'm traveling. I know there are all sorts of very expensive underwear brands that do very well, but it's just not something that I use.
0: Like the sock conversation, I like brightly colored underwear. Somebody asked the other day, because I, as you well know, and some of our listeners may know is that I tend to wear everything matching so I open pocket square and the socks and the shirt or the tie everything will be tonally in the same palette and someone asked the other day does your underwear match and I said generally yes Fair enough So I go out of my way to find particular tonal palettes of underwear and stuff like that I sort of trawl various websites to find different bits of underwear But I've been going through a series of experimentation with different brands at the moment I'm getting more and more fastidious about my underwear actually Gone are the days where I just go into Marks and Spencers Trying to think of the US equivalent Um, It's not Walmart but um,
1: Macy's effectively Macy's possibly, yes Yeah,
0: it's a sort of middle range high street retailer. I've gone on the days of buying M&S underwear, I can't do it anymore. Um, I tend to sort of go trawling around. Happy Socks actually do some grey underwear. MeUndies are pretty good, I've tried those. There's a couple of other brands, the Calvin Klein's and the Bjorn Borg, the famous tenor player has a range of underwear which is pretty good and working my way through various different underwear designers to find my perfect underwear at the moment. An and, and an indelicate question, sir. An indelicate question for yes. a gentleman, one gentleman to ask another. Are yes. you a are you a boxes a
1: briefs a, a, a trunks man? What is your your? I'm a, a a trunks a trunks man. Occasionally boxes, if that's all I can get. Yes, and, and pajamas. Do you get pajamas for Christmas? I do actually. Again, i travel an awful lot. If I'm going to be somewhere for a long time pyjamas is something i take with me because it helps with that feeling of homeliness it helps kind of take away some of the strangeness of being in a hotel this time of year when it's quite cold i will often wear pyjamas at home and i tend to go between the sort of modern t-shirt and sort of loungy pyjama bottoms but i have a soft spot for traditional men's pyjamas of which i have quite a few pairs and that's a normal christmas treat for me with buttons up the front and a breast pocket. It's fascinating.
0: I was reading up about pyjamas, and then of course, so up until the late Victorian age, it was night shirts. We wouldn't actually wear pyjamas of any description. The two-piece pyjamas we know now stems from the Victorians and India, and men used to wear it in India because it was so hot. Their traditional costume, of course, in India and, and the Middle East. Gentlemen and Victorian gentlemen would wear them because they were cool and calming, and and then they would come back and wear them around the house as lounge wear as we lo- so lovingly refer to it now and then it became the evening wear. I had the very distinct honour of getting a lovely pair of Derek Rose pyjamas which are beautiful, incredibly expensive. I was given them very luckily because I was involved in the um, production of the pyjama game and the stage a few years ago as Derrick Rose supplied all the pyjamas for, for the show and I luckily got a pair of those uh, and they're beautiful, beautiful pyjamas and stunningly beautiful pyjamas but little, that expensive for my normal budget of pyjamas. Pajamas. Yes, they are. Yes. I do like those old traditional pyjamas, with the drawstrings and the... makes me want to get a nice silk dressing gown and lounge around. Yes! Like Noel Coward
1: style. I, I do have a... Not a, a silk dressing gown, but quite a nice one that was a Christmas gift a couple of years ago. On a Sunday morning, me and the other half are lounging on the sofa, having breakfasted and just reading the paper, reading books, watching TV, being lazy. I really like it. It's that sort of elegant decadence feel to it which is fun.
0: If you are getting pyjamas or underwear or socks for a fellow gentleman, do do so. We do like it to just put some thought and some effort into it, is what we're saying. Have a think about it and and ask them if they like some bright, bold fun. So last on this week's podcast is a a very brief interlude. As it is winter and the nights are drawing in and the temperature drops, it's time to do the little quick, brief winter grooming guide. My tips (laughs) really are just very simple basically moisturize 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 i think that's the one thing that i have learned in my grooming regime for winter is is more moisturized than you think you need you dry out so quickly in this weather yes you know you get more dry skin cracked skin your skin looks less healthy if you don't moisturize and and a good load of lip balm as well is always
1: good. i tend to to get quite dry skin anyway so i moisturize after I shave, being outside, in the wind, going inside into hot and overheated rooms, if you're travelling by public transport, it just kills your skin. And especially if you're shaving every day as well. I tend to moisturise twice a day on those and I use a slightly heavier moisturiser. And also, I don't wet shave quite as much because I find wet shaving dries my skin out especially if it's a particularly cold and windy day then I'll have an electric shave rather than a full-on wet shave.
0: I don't electric shave at all but I tend to use a heavier shaving cream so I use something like a coconut milk based shaving cream rather than a lighter one during the winter months so it's got that moisturising content in there right from the start so it doesn't dry out my skin. But also lip balm. I am a big fan of lip balm. I've carried lip balm for years. It's one of those things that people look sideways at you at until they realise that it's really good for your lips.
1: Do you do anything different with scents in winter? I do.
0: I tend to change my scents to a slightly stronger scents during winter. I tend to be a little bit heavier in my scents. Maybe a light oud based or a sandalwoody. Type scents. I do have a batch of summer scents and a batch of winter scents that I swap
1: over. Do you? I tend to use probably about the same amount, but I tend not to wear lemons and citrus scents. In winter, that's my summer stuff. In winter, I tend to use things that are a bit more tobacco, sandalwood, that kind of thing. My current favourite for winter is Murdoch of London, the barbershop chain. They do a black tea cologne which I really like. A little bit spicy, leather, tobacco, spice and tea root and that sort of thing. It was one of the barbers at Murdoch who recommended it to me. I really like it.
0: We are big fans of Miller Harris here at The Perfect Gentleman. So I like their La Fumé fragrance, which has got a tobacco undertones to it, which I really like. Also, Molten Brown's Black Pepper, a nice everyday scent.
1: Yes, I've not worn that as a scent. I've used the shower gel which I was given actually a couple of Christmases ago, and I really liked that. I might have to look out for the scent.
0: So if you have any uh, winter grooming tips, please drop us a line on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or drop us an email at inquiries at theperfectgentleman.tv. You can also drop us a line with your Gentleman of the Year suggestions. We'll be reminding you every week. One further thing just before we go. It is Thursday, it's the 1st of December today. Please join us I will be there at the Gentleman's Grooming Show if you're in London. It's at Tobacco Dock this Saturday the 3rd of December. Um, It's the first Gentleman's Grooming Show in the UK. It's going to be a Gentleman's Lifestyle show as well. They're going to have lots of grooming products, lots of wet shave people, razors, all sorts of fun and interesting things. They have a grooming awards during the day as well. There'll be live events on the stage. I shall be there. Um, My myself so please if you come up and say hello i'd be delighted to say hello to you but do come and join us there tickets very recently priced it's in london it's on saturday the 3rd of december the gentleman's grooming show we'd be delighted to see you and we'll do a report on it on the podcast in a couple of weeks time we'd love to see you there it's gentleman's grooming show we'll put it in the show notes as well
1: fantastic
0: so that's it for us
1: a lot of fun as always my friend wonderful welcome to december welcome to christmas indeed not long now see you next week sir.
0: This podcast is brought to you by The Perfect Gentleman Group Limited and was edited by Andy Nickel at the Pistachio Palace.